You're listening to the Whole Vineyard Podcast. To find out more about the Whole Vineyard Church, go to wholevineyard.co.uk. We're looking at Daniel 2, verse 1 to 30, if you want to follow along. Did I say I'm Yvonne? I was meant to introduce myself to those of you who don't know. (laughs) In the second year of his reign, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. His mind was troubled and he could not sleep. So the king summoned the magicians, enchanters, sorcerers and astrologers to tell him what he had dreamed. When they came in and stood before the king, he said to them, I have had a dream that troubles me and I want to know what it means. Then the astrologers answered the king, may the king live forever, tell your servants the dream and we will interpret it. The king replied to the astrologers, this is what I have firmly decided. If you do not tell me what my dream was and interpret it, I will have to cut you into pieces and your, and your houses turned into piles of rubbish. But if you tell me the dream and explain it, you will receive from me gifts and rewards and great honor. So tell me the dream and interpret it to me. Once more they replied, let the king tell his servants the dream and we will interpret it. Then the king answered, I am certain that you are trying to gain time because you realize that this is what I firmly decided. If you do not tell me the dream, there is only one penalty for you. You have conspired to tell me misleading and wicked things, hoping the situation will change. So then, tell me the dream. I will know that you can interpret it for me. The astrologers just answered the king, there is no one in earth who can do what the king asks. No king, however great and mighty, has ever asked such a thing of any magician or enchanter or astrologer. What the king asks is too difficult. No one can reveal it to the king except the gods, and they do not live among humans. This made the king so angry and furious that he ordered the execution of all the wise men of Babylon. So the decree was issued to put the wise men to death, and the men were sent to look for Daniel and his friends to put them to death. When Arioch, the commander of the king's guard, had gone out to put, the, put to death the wise men of Babylon, Daniel spoke to him with wisdom and tact. He asked the king's officials, why did the king issue such a harsh decree? Arioch then explained the matter to Daniel. At this, Daniel went into the king and asked for time so that he might interpret the dream for him. Then Daniel returned to his house and explained the matter to his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azari. <laughs> he urged them to plead for mercy for the God of heaven concerning this mystery, so that he and his friends might not be executed, but, but the rest of the wise, with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. During the night, the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision. Then Daniel praised the God of heaven and said, Praise be to your name, O God, forever and ever. Wisdom and power are his. He changes times and season. He deposes kings and raises up others. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what lies in darkness and light dwells with him. I thank and praise you, God, of my ancestors. You have given me wisdom and power. You have made known to me what we ask of you. You have made known to us the dream of the king. Then Daniel went to Arioch, whom the king had appointed to execute the wise men of Babylon, and said to him, do not execute the wise men of Babylon. Take me to the king, and I will interpret his dream for him. Arioch took Daniel to the king at once and said, I have found a man among the exiles from Judah, 
who can tell the king what his dream means. Then king asked Daniel, also called Belteshazzar, are you able to tell me what I saw in my dream and interpret it? Daniel replied, no wise man, enchanter, magician, or diviner can explain to the king the mystery he has asked about, but there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. He has known King Nebuchadnezzar, what he has shown King Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in days to come. Your dream and your visions that passed through your mind as you were lying in bed are these. As your majesty was lying there, your mind turned to things to come, and the revealer of mysteries showed you what is going to happen. As for me, this mystery has been revealed to me, not because I have great wisdom than anyone else alive, but so that your majesty may know the interpretation and that you may understand what went through your mind. Thank you, Yvonne. Well, good morning again. So good uh, to be here. I have the privilege of sharing a message with you this morning. John and Journey send their love and affection. They are uh, leading worship and preaching at a, another church in the city, serving there, um, which is absolutely wonderful. Um, so I, I have the honor of preaching from Daniel chapter 2. Um, I, let me ask you a question before we start off. When was the last time you found yourself under great pressure? When was the last time you experienced or you came up against significant opposition? When was the last time you were in a crisis? I had a crisis this morning because my head says, don't, when you trim your beard, don't leave the mustache. But my heart says, I want to leave the mustache. And um, has any, anyone else experienced that? I wish I had the guts to, um, to grow my mustache out. So I did uh, a number three and a number four, just so it was a subtle difference. Uh, I'm only joking. That wasn't really a crisis. Uh, when was the last time you were in a crisis? The last time I was genuinely in a crisis or it felt like, um, it felt like a crisis was about two and a half, three months ago when Hannah and I moved home. And... It was unexpectedly challenging. You know, people say that moving home is one of the most stressful things, and I felt like we had everything lined up. I felt like we were really incredibly organized, and um, we were even organized up to about three o'clock on the day that we were moving, and we exchanged, and from that moment on, it was a complete nightmare. Very long story short, when we arrived to drop all of our uh, first load of stuff off at the new house, the previous owner, um, he, he hadn't cleaned, um, but he also hadn't packed. So it, you can imagine um, arriving with all your stuff at this house, which you've bought, which you're so excited about, and it was a nightmare. So not only did I move myself, but then we had to, to move the previous owner out of the house. We were emptying my clothes out of our boxes and into bin bags so he could use our boxes. Um, and then through a, a series of very bizarre circumstances, I also had to move the person into my old house that uh, I'd agreed to do that, which was the most ridiculous thing ever. So in one day, I moved three people in or out. And, and then we, were, we experienced the grief of moving home. Have you ever experienced that when, you, when you're just like saying goodbye to an old house? And um, yeah, it, it was, this isn't a funny story, it's a true story. It was really, really challenging. My parents were there and if they weren't there, I honestly don't know what I would have done. But I realized there are moments in life where you experience great pressure and pain and um, things get really, really tough. 
Uh, we're in a series at the minute called Embracing Exile. And here is the premise of our series, if you are new here this morning. The premise is this. If you follow Jesus, if you apprentice under Jesus, you do not belong to this world. The Bible says time and time again that we are aliens We are strangers, we are foreigners, we are ambassadors from another realm, we are travelers on a journey in exile through this world that isn't our home. Our time here on earth is like waiting at an airport before our flight to the eternal destination. And as we began looking at the book of Daniel a couple of weeks ago, we we peered in on a deeply painful and traumatic time in the history of God's people in Israel. King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon has attacked God's people in Jerusalem. They have desecrated the temple, stolen precious items, and then trafficked some of Israel's best young men back to Babylon. And Daniel is one of those men. And what we've read about over the last couple of weeks as we've started this series, is we've seen that Babylon's tactic for cultural conquest is essentially domination by assimilation. So the best of Israel would be fully indoctrinated into the ways and practices and food and language of Babylonian culture. Their names were changed, their identities were distorted in that way as well. But we found out that what often starts off looking like a defeat quickly turns into looking like the sovereignty of God as we see the fingerprints of the Lord all over the book of Daniel, the fingerprints of the Lord and the favor of the Lord on Daniel as he's living in exile. Church Babylon is still very much alive and well and we live there. We live in an age and a culture completely at odds with the ways and values and principles of the kingdom of God. Every area of society has been sold a lie and we now live in exile. We are subject to pressures to conform to culture and pressures to compromise on our convictions. And our question that we're asking in this series is how do we, how is it possible not just to survive in exile, but to thrive in exile and live as a people of influence and hope and life in our culture. If you've got a Bible, let's just quickly turn to Jeremiah 29, verses 4 to 7. Words will be on the screen. This is what it says. Verse 4, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Did you know the book of Jeremiah was written to people like Daniel and his friends? In fact, Daniel references the book of Jeremiah in Daniel chapter 9. So we know Daniel knew of Jeremiah and read, about, read the book of Jeremiah in some form, which is fascinating. I love that verse because it says that the God of Israel says to those, I carried into exile. You see, the Babylonians thought they captured the Israelites, but God actually carried them there. It was all part of God's divine plan. And you need to know that there is God's purpose in the midst of your pain. Whenever whenever there is suffering or struggle or, or trials, you need to know that God is never out of control. And how have we seen that over the last 18 months through a pandemic as the fingerprints and the favor of the Lord have been upon it in the pain? 
Verse 5, now this is, Jeremiah 29, a manifesto for living in exile. Build houses, settle down, plant gardens, eat what they produce, marry, have sons and daughters, find wives for your sons, and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. Also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. We spent a lot of time in Jeremiah 29 recently, but here's the big idea of this manifesto for exile in Jeremiah 29 that Daniel lived out. So much of thriving in exile happens unglamorously. So much of thriving in exile happens in ordinary moments, ordinary choices, day by day to say no to the things of the world and yes to the ways of Jesus. In our waking and our sleeping, in our working and our eating, in our families and our streets, in the ordinary moments, there is a marking on the church to live differently, to bring hope, to be fruitful, to be a conduit for the favor of heaven, which will come through us and impact our world. This is the normal Christian life. But it isn't always gardening and eating great food and hanging out with friends and experiencing the favor of the Lord, is it? We recognize at times there are pressures. We will undoubtedly experience pressure, pain, persecution. How do we act? How do we respond when the crisis comes? Daniel was brilliant at thriving under pressure. He was faithful. He was robust. He was resilient, regardless of his struggles. And how many of you know that that is pretty rare in our time? I know we have all experienced moments of crisis, none more so than the last 18 months, these moments when it feels like everything is crumbling, everything is falling apart, maybe at work, in relationships, in health, even in your life with God. And yet these moments of weakness and brokenness and pain are often the best opportunities for God to do some of his best work. And I want to suggest today that in times of pressure, we might begin to see God's purposes. That in times of crisis, we might sense God's calling. That in moments of opposition, we might see uh, opportunity. In times of pain and discomfort and attack, we might realize that actually this could be our time. We were born for such a time as this. So what does it look like for us to live like Daniel and thrive under pressure? Well, let me jump into the text. Daniel chapter 2, we see the nation in crisis and it begins with King Nebuchadnezzar. Let's read verses 1 to 3. In the second year of his reign, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams His mind was troubled and he could not sleep. So the king summoned magicians, enchanters, sorcerers, and astrologers to tell him what he had dreamed. When they came in and stood before the king, he said to them, I have had a dream that troubles me and I want to know what it means. Here's what's happening. King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon, the tyrant, is struggling. He's not in a good place. The text says he's had some dreams. His spirit is troubled and he can't Sleep. In other words, the king that has everything, money, power, dominion, authority, military might, everything that you would deem successful for an empire, even though it is 
evil. He has everything and he is still deeply anxious. His spirit is troubled. How many of you know that you can have everything in the world and still be deeply unhappy? I love this Jim Carrey quote, the famous theologian, who said, I think that everyone should get rich and famous and do everything they ever dreamed of so they can see it is not the answer. King Nebuchadnezzar was there. No matter who you are, no matter where you're from, no matter how successful or wealthy or powerful or beautiful you are, there is a hole in our souls that cannot be filled with anything other than God. Nebuchadnezzar is awake through the night. He is exhausted. He's anxious. He's fearful. Why? Verse 3 says this, I had a dream and my spirit is troubled to know the dream. Most theologians and, and commentaries say that he's forgotten his dream. He's had a dream, but he can't remember it. It's been hidden to him, which is why he needs it revealed to him. And, and he, he knows it's of great significance, but he needs to know what it is. So he gathers together um, some specialists in psychic phenomena. That's one way to describe them. Magicians, enchanters, sorcerers, wise men. He gathers them together and he says, tell me my dream and interpret it for me. We discover very quickly that the magicians think this is an outrageous prospect. They can't do it. It's impossible. They say, tell us your dream and then we will give you the answers you want. We will give you the interpretation. But King Nebuchadnezzar says, no, 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 I can't do that. If you are what you're claiming to be, you will be able to tell me my dream and interpret it. And if you don't, the threat is you will be torn limb from limb and your house is laid in ruins. Terrifying, but they can't do it. They couldn't diagnose the problem. They could only offer empty solutions and false promises. Here is what the king needs. The king needs someone to give a prophetic diagnosis for the problem and then give a solution to the problem. He needs to know what the dream is and what is the interpretation. And I want to submit to us today that that is a lot like the world that we are living in. We are living in a culture that, like the king, is deeply troubled. There are hundreds and thousands of King Nebuchadnezzar's in our city, kings and queens of their own lives, living for themselves, and yet deeply unhappy and relentlessly anxious, searching for the answer which feels just out of reach, kind of like a forgotten dream, racked with anxiety because they know that something is missing, but I just can't quite remember what it is. There's a sense of homelessness, homesickness. People are searching for answers, searching for meaning, searching for hope, searching for purpose. They don't know really deep down what the problem is. They just know something is wrong. I wonder if you know what that feels like. There's a hunger, there's a restlessness. And to solve our problems, the world offers easy answers. We're pointed in the direction of short-term pleasures, Easy answers, self-help books, ways to escape from what we are feeling in the moment, which seemed fun at the time, but actually corrode our souls. Welcome to Babylon. What our world needs today, just like King Nebuchadnezzar, is not easy answers or false hope or self-help. Our world needs men and women just like Daniel, who are empowered by the Holy Spirit, full of courage, and wisdom, who step into moments of 
destiny, times of pressure with faith, and who are able to provide a prophetic diagnosis of the problem and then solutions to the problem. And maybe you're here today thinking, well, I feel like that, but I don't even know what the problem is. Well, let me give you the problem and then the solution. J. John, the famous evangelist, said this, the heart of the human problem is the problem of the human heart. We were born for life with God, and until we get back to that place of intimacy and connection and relationship with our Heavenly Father, we will always feel like something is missing. I can't fix the problem because I am the problem. It's a sin problem. It is a falling short of the glory of God problem. The diagnosis doesn't warrant a self-help book. It warrants a savior. It warranted God coming to earth from heaven to save us, being nailed to a cross for us, offering his life in exchange for our mess and our sin and our shame and our brokenness and giving us free access to a new start, a clean slate, forgiveness of sins, a new life, a relationship with the Father, an eternal hope, an everlasting glory, a royal identity, adoption as sons and daughters and a lavish inheritance. I think that's pretty good news. And maybe you're here today and you feel like King Nebuchadnezzar, restless, anxious, troubled, exhausted, struggling to sleep. Maybe deep down you recognize you've been living as the king or queen of your own life, doing what you want, but you know that there's something missing. Let me encourage you to come to Jesus. He is what you need. He is the answer. So the magicians and the enchanters, they can't solve the problem. So the king kicks off and he, he commands every single wise man and enchanter to be murdered. And that includes Daniel and his friends. They get rounded up and prepared to be killed. Can you imagine how they felt in that moment of crisis? How do we respond in times of crisis? I want to draw out three reflections on how Daniel responded to this situation that I think we can learn from as we navigate exile and especially hit moments of trial. Firstly, Daniel responded with wisdom. Verse 14 says this, he declared to Arioch, the king's captain, why is the decree of the king so urgent? The text says he replied with wisdom and discretion. I think that translation says tact. I love that. So he says to the king's captain, why is the decree of the king so urgent? Another translation is so hasty. He doesn't say, why is it so violent? That would be my, that would be my question. Why does he want to tear people limb from limb? This is insane. But Daniel clearly knew, well, uh, King Nebuchadnezzar is a monster. But I want to know why it's happening now. Daniel says, why is this so immediate? Why so hasty? Something's happening. This isn't normal. This isn't right. Daniel says there's a problem going on here that I might be able to bring a solution to. Daniel's mind and his heart were such that in a crisis moment, he dared to believe that he could do something. He dared to believe the impossible. That no matter the circumstances or the situation, no matter how deadly the problem that you're facing in that moment of crisis, we follow a God actually that doesn't believe in the impossible. For every problem, he has a solution. For every question, he has an answer. For every hurt, he has a balm. For every pain, he has healing. For every moment of anxiety, he offers peace. God wants to give heavenly wisdom to his sons 
and daughters. The wisdom that God wants to release upon us will bring our broken world back into alignment with his divine design. Daniel lived out the wisdom of the Lord. And when we live under the wisdom of heaven, we begin to view solutions, not just problems. We begin to see open doors where there were previously brick walls. We begin to see space for creative resolutions. Just like Daniel, we begin to see every part of our broken society as an opportunity for the rule and reign of God to break in, in a moment. When we walk with the authority we've been given and live out wisdom, our perspective changes. We're constantly seeing with with hope glasses, as it were. Our vision is always fresh. We see the world with his eyes. Wisdom helps us navigate the times and the seasons we're in. Daniel was a man of wisdom. A lot of people think that wisdom is just about knowing what's the right and wrong thing to do in a situation. But I actually think wisdom goes far beyond that. Wisdom is about bringing life and bringing his purposes and his strategies and his divine design upon the earth. The wisdom of heaven makes impossible things possible. The wisdom of heaven rewrites destinies and brings life. Listen to Psalm 3 verse 19. By wisdom... The Lord laid the earth's foundations by understanding he set the heavens in place. The Spirit of God used wisdom to create the world. When we operate with God's wisdom, we actually get to unleash a supernatural power of creativity into the world which brings life. Let me ask you a question. What problems do you see in our world today? What do you complain about? What frustrates you? What breaks your heart? What if God had creative solutions to those problems that he was waiting to release upon us as a community? If only we would ask for wisdom. I love this in James chapter one. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. I just feel like we should pray for this. I feel like there's something on this right now to release heavenly wisdom to us. Many of us have been stuck in the same habits or patterns, seeing the same problems in our city time and time again. And we recognize that things do take time to change and shift. But actually, what could it look like if the the wisdom of heaven increased in our church, in our time? Let me just pray quickly while it's on my mind. Father, God, we ask for wisdom. Father, we pray for wisdom. We pray that you would pour out wisdom. God, give us your mind to to, um, hear your voice, to be led by you, to think your thoughts. I pray, God, for every issue in our society, in our culture today, God, where there is brokenness and pain and injustice. God, I, I believe you have the solution. And Lord, we want to be that solution. Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you release that upon our church community? I pray for fresh vision. I pray for fresh passion. God, may we not sit in our complaints and do nothing. May we not sit in our uh, problems and just see problems. But God, I pray for uh, creative solutions to whatever you want to do. And our heart says, come, Lord Jesus, let your kingdom come in our time. In Jesus' name. Wisdom. Daniel used wisdom. The second characteristic of people that thrive under pressure is faith. 
faith. Here's the definition of faith. Seeing things that are not as though they are. Hebrews 11 says this, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the convictions of things not seen. So faith is when we see a preferred future and we have an assurance in our bones that it's going to happen. Daniel was a man of faith. I love this in verse 15 and 16. I've never really seen this before. I was, I was reading it. He said, he declared to Arioch the king's captain, why is the decree of the king so urgent? Then Arioch made the matter known to Daniel. So Arioch tells Daniel what the deal is and why it's happening. So Daniel went in and requested the king to appoint him a time that he might show him the interpretation to the king. So Daniel says, right, I need to go see the king. And, he, and, he, and Daniel goes, I want to book a meeting, king, because I'm going to have the solution. Now, God hasn't yet given him the interpretation. I mean, you've got to have faith to do that, right? Daniel goes to the king. This could only go, this could go one of two ways. Either you, ha- you come back in the meeting tomorrow with the exact dream and interpretation, or you are going to die on the spot. I love that. I love that Daniel completely put himself out there. That is crazy faith. Daniel's view is this. I don't have the solution, but we worship a God and follow a God that does. Some of you need to hear this, that whatever you're going through in your life right now, whatever you're going through, he has an answer. God sees the other side of the Red Sea. He sees a day when you're living in freedom and wholeness, and he wants to lead you there. So where wisdom impacts our minds, faith impacts our actions. It's easy to claim to have faith when you've got nothing in the game. It's easy to claim to have faith when you've got nothing on the line. Faith is less of a mindset, really, more of an action. John Wimber, the founder of the Vineyard, famously said, faith is spelled R-I-S-K, risk. In other words, faith is something you exercise, not something you believe. And Daniel's faith level was pretty sky high. He said to the king that was trying to kill him, I'll sort it tomorrow. It'll get done. I love that. And then God gave him the interpretation after he put himself out there. What if, what if the miraculous was attracted to faith somehow? What if faith was a magnet for the inbreaking of God's kingdom? How many times did Jesus say your faith has healed you? Now we know obviously God is sovereign and God moves as and when he wants and sometimes the kingdom comes when we have no faith and it's remarkable and it is beautiful. But as I read the scriptures, I see there is something about acting in faith that moves God and I don't really understand it, but I just see it in the Bible. There is something about acting faith even that Jesus was astonished by. Twice in the gospels, it says that Jesus is astonished. Luke 7 and Mark 6, the first time, it was because of the centurion's faith. The second time, it was because people's lack of faith. So Jesus is astonished by remarkable faith, and he's astonished when there is a lack of faith. In the first instance, what happened? The centurion's servant was stunningly healed. In the second instance, the Bible says that Jesus couldn't do miracles there because of the lack of faith. Now, I don't really understand this, but I just feel, I think there's something about faith which creates an environment where the kingdom can come in greater intensity. I don't have a theology for that, but I see it in the Bible. Church, what would it look like for us to be a people of great faith? What risks could we take this week? How could we simply step out of our comfort zone in an ordinary moment and say yes to Jesus and share him 
with our world or pray for someone or, or act with generosity? What could it look like to step out in faith? I actually don't think this was the first step of faith that Daniel took. Um, I think he probably did a lot of smaller steps of faith which built up and built up and built up. And then he knows he has such a radical dependence and reliance on God that he knew, do you know what? My, my life is safe in his hands. I'm not sure he did know that, actually. I mean, he probably didn't. Daniel was a man of radical faith under pressure. What does it look like to live under pressure with faith? Finally, coming into land, dependence. Dependence. We know that Daniel did not come up with a solution on his own. Daniel returned to his house and, verse 17, explained the matter to his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. He urged them to plead for mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery. Plead for mercy so that he and his friends might not be executed with the rest of the wise men in Babylon. Dealing with pressure is impossible when we try and do it on our own. Dealing with grief dealing with crisis, dealing with pain, dealing with opposition. It is impossible, guys, when we do it on our own. And what I love about Daniel is that he recognized this. He lived with the balls in God's court, as it were. He recognized that his one job was to live obediently, faithfully, and simply say yes to the next thing and let God do what only God can do. Daniel knew he had no power to work out the dream. But he says to his friends, let's plead for mercy because we need him. We need the Lord to move. We need his grace and we need his providence and we need his power. How much do we need the Lord to move in our lives? Many of us, include myself in this, have built such comfortable existences that our lives pretty much work without him. It sounds Sounds challenging. Uh, it doesn't, it's not meant to be harsh at all. It, many of us are so comfortable in life. If we remove the Holy Spirit, how much would our life change? Daniel lived in complete dependence, and I think the Lord loves it. I think he loves it when we live dependent to him. I think he loves it when we put our eggs in one basket, when we put ourselves out there in a way that says, God, I've got nothing I've got nothing here. I need you. I think he loves it when we trust him. I think he loves it when we're dependent. I think that's why he gave us the Holy Spirit. I think that's why we have the Holy Spirit living in us. Because the Spirit of God empowers us. Remember, before Pentecost, Jesus said to the disciples who had seen the risen Jesus, don't go anywhere because it will be a mess. You won't know what to do. You need a helper. You need the Spirit of God. We were never born to do this life on our own. I wonder if some of us have been trying to do it on our own, trying to follow Jesus, trying to tick the boxes, trying to do what we're meant to be doing, and yet we recognize, man, the Spirit of God, I need Him. Because when we do it on our own, it just becomes dry. Has anyone experienced that? It just becomes hard work. The life gets sucked out of it because He is the author of life. He brings life. Daniel was a man of, of utter dependence. Wisdom, faith, and dependence, three things that I see in Daniel. Um, now, I'm not going to go into the interpretation because uh, 
It's incredibly complicated. <laughs> yeah, John, John left me that one. Um, but you can buy a commentary. There's some commentaries out there. That'll tell you it way better than I can. Uh, but here's what I know. Daniel, Daniel got the dream, got the interpretation. It was a foresight of things to come. And then what happened after he gives the dream and the interpretation? We didn't read this, but verse 48. The king placed Daniel in a high position and lavished many gifts on him. He made him ruler over the entire province of Babylon and placed him in charge of all its wise men. Moreover, at Daniel's request, the king appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego administrators over the province of Babylon, while Daniel himself remained at the royal court. When we steward our moments of pressure and difficulty and pain faithfully, when we fix our eyes on him and just one foot in front of the other, the favor of God follows that. I love that. Daniel just, he was, he was on the brink of death and God turned that situation all the way around. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Hall Vineyard Podcast. We would love to connect with you and welcome you home to church. To find out more, go to hallvineyard.co.uk forward slash connect. And stay up to date with all that is going on in the life of our church, go to hallvineyard.co.uk forward slash church news and sign up for our weekly mailing. Thanks for listening. We hope to see you soon.